I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You must have seen them. I seem to get them all the time. All those text messages and emails claiming to be an urgent message from your bank or from a delivery company, about a delivery that you really weren't expecting. Sometimes they claim to be from the NHS, or from friends and family who've apparently lost their phones. All fake messages trying to trick you into handing over personal details and money. No surprises there. What might surprise you, though, is just how common fraud has become. It's the most common crime in Britain. 41% of all recorded offences are now fraud. And about 1 in 15 Brits will become a victim each year. I mean, the financial cost of the country of this is staggering. And now, one of our undercover reporters has found that criminals are openly trading bank details for thousands of British fraud victims a week and boasting that police do nothing to stop them. I saw one one person say it's better than selling drugs because the money is quite large and the risks of getting caught are quite low. It felt like there was this online academy for people looking to commit financial crime and that really interested us. How do these scams work and why are so many fraudsters getting away with it? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, how credit card fraudsters are ripping off Britain. I'm Emma Yeomans. I'm one of the reporters on The Times. You're known as Emma to us, but not necessarily when you're when you're out investigating, and particularly with this investigation where you went undercover. Uh, just introduce yourself in your undercover guise. Yes. So for this story, I was H. I went by a single initial, a young Londoner looking to become a fraudster and hoping to find someone to teach them. You've been looking into this whole world of online fraud, of how people at the moment are able to buy and sell bank and credit card details and seem to be making a lot of money doing it. Before we get on to exactly how that's happening, though, tell us a bit about the victims. Let's start with the man we're calling James. You, or actually one of your colleagues, got in touch with James. Tell us how all of this started for him. 
So for James, this started when he received a call from someone he thought was from Virgin Media. I think Virgin Media was, uh, was the first person to ring me up. They sounded convincing. And uh, I actually changed some of the parameters on my laptop. They asked him to change some settings in his computer to fix his internet or to fix his connection. That was the first time that, that I just couldn't believe I did that. We believe that what he actually did there was allow them remote access to his computer. Which, you know, might allow somebody else to use your laptop. That has screwed everything up and uh, ever since then it's all sort of picked off. They've got my details, everything. They've been trying to draw money out of my bank. My card's been cancelled numerous times. So basically, if it happens again, I'm just going to have to change banks or something. He has been threatened on the phone by people who say they've got his address and will come to his house if he doesn't approve payments. It's, it's a bit scary, really. And so we've got your home address, we know where you live, and we're going to come round. And, um, and that was that. So that's made me a bit nervous, and uh, doors and windows will all be locked. One of them started laughing and just needs to eat, stuff like this, and and, uh, and hear his friends in the background, you know. They said, oh, they've sold, they've sold your details online for like five pounds. And we needed to eat that night. And uh, we just used your details to try. And I think they managed, I don't know, I think they managed to get a couple of meals out. But my friend just told him to F off down the phone. But I just, I just, I just, I couldn't believe it. You know? and, and actually, they actually managed to get some money out. They managed to get sort of two lots of £25. At one point he was paying someone's membership for a gym or health club. And then they started to get ridiculous. He has lost thousands of pounds, most of which has been returned to him. It went from like £400 to like £2,000, to like then they tried £20,000. It was extremely frightening for him, and it seemed in his case to go on and on and on. And this is all because his credit card details, his home address and other associated details were sold on the messaging app Telegram. I mean, that's terrifying. You know, James is the part of this story that I think all of us can really associate with. So this is just somebody from his internet company calling up, asking for some details, and suddenly they have access to all of his data. Yes, this was quite a sophisticated fraud. We haven't been able to work out precisely how it was done. But from the description, it sounds as though the fraudsters were using some kind of remote access software. So this is software often used by IT help desks so that they can, you know, if your computer's not working right, your company help desk can check into it and remotely change settings. And once they're into your computer... And once they're into his computer, they could really watch everything. Some of these techniques even allow access when the victim isn't using their own computer. And this explains why every time his cards were cancelled or his bank password was changed, the fraudsters seemed to have it. We oh. think that's because they were effectively in his computer watching the bank set up these new accounts. That's terrifying. H how did you find James? James is one of dozens of victims whose details were posted on the app Telegram into groups and messaging chats, which I was a member of. Their details were generally posted as a form of advertising by fraudsters looking to sell credit cards they'd stolen. So every now and again, they would release a sample of customer data they'd obtained. In James's case, it was a guy saying, 
look, these are the fools, fools being slang for full details, all the credit card information or bank account information you need to use someone's account. They had everything. They had everything. James was posted as a case of, this is how good the fools I can get are. This one's been cancelled already by the bank, but here's his details just so you can check out who I get. So they handed you that bit of evidence? Yeah, I was in these groups for a couple of months and I would see maybe one or two a fortnight. Sometimes fraudsters would drop three or four at a time just as a sort of entice the customer in type thing. How do they sleep at night? I, I can't believe it. You know, because I think if, if I did anything like that, I think my ears would be burning, don't you? Sometimes fraudsters will call up with a really specific aim. You know, they might call to try and get a specific piece of information to pose as your bank. But in this case, because his details were out there for free, we think they were being used by the least sophisticated, least intelligent fraudsters, basically. Mm. People who wouldn't be able to pull off a sophisticated fraud. So they just resorted to threats. Has that all ended now? I mean, how how is James? Is he able to... Is he able to protect his bank details? He did seem to think that it had settled down. But he was quite blunt with us. If this happens again, he's just going to have to change bank because he he thinks his account may still be compromised. With his details floating around on the dark web effectively, and not even on the dark web, on the open web as well, it's very hard for him to know that they will be secure. Did he go to the police over this? He did, They were not helpful in his case. He went to the police a number of times, particularly when he was paying for the health club membership. His view was, they've got a membership number attached to my credit card account. Surely we can just see when they go in and you can go and arrest them. But nothing came of it. That seems so bizarre. If you can literally see where somebody is on a very regular basis, you, you can identify a fraud with a particular person who's still benefiting from it. And yet the police did nothing. That's what he told us, yeah. We don't know why the police didn't act on that information. However, we do know from previous times investigation and from government statistics that fraud is fairly under-policed, that it has an exceptionally low solve rate and the majority of victims will never see their frauds to face justice. And yet it's a really common crime. I mean, James, as we're calling him, is far from alone in being a victim of this. In order to work out how it's actually happening, you went undercover to investigate this, to investigate the source of it, really. Tell us how you went about doing that. So this started on the messaging app Telegram. Telegram is popular with a lot of unsavoury groups, we might say, who would be chucked off mainstream platforms quite quickly. I came across this actually because of an advert in a Telegram group I was in. Someone just said, buy your fools here. I thought, that's odd. I know what that slang means. What are they selling? You knew what that slang meant. I did. This I'd is seen fools it. as in full, F-U-L-L with a Z at the end. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I won't pretend. I would, have, I would have seen that and just felt like an old person. Um, how did you know what that meant and what did you make of that advert? It's not super new slang. It's been around for a while and I think it's been mentioned well, in a... worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been mentioned in a few reports from places like Action Fraud, UK Finance... So I'd just, I don't know, it had gone into the memory bank as a credit card detail related thing. Um, So I clicked through to this link and came across one of the many groups I ended up in, which is a marketplace for fraudsters to sell on credit cards they might have stolen where they've got too many, they can't use them all, to sell on tools to help other people commit fraud, 
to share courses, sell courses, train new fraudsters. Really just an open marketplace for all things scamming. Wow. I mean, that's surprising in so many different respects. For a start, you're on a normal app. This isn't like you've gone onto the dark web. You've clicked on an ad that could show up to anybody. You know, you, you could be a police, a policewoman and you would have seen that ad. You can click through and suddenly there it is. The whole, the whole enterprise unfolds before you. Yeah, it was very surprising. I thought, my goodness, this is bonkers. What have I stumbled upon? And I took a lot of screenshots very quickly in case it was shut down. But after a week or so, it became apparent that this group had been around for a while and was not going anywhere. So I spoke to editors and we began looking to find a more thorough way to investigate the activities there. And for people who haven't been on Telegram, just explain how it works. Because, you know, it's not like it's not like WhatsApp necessarily. It just, just explain how you would find these little forums. Telegram is a really bizarre app if you haven't used it before. It has three ways of using it. Direct messages with an individual person, group messages and channels. So channels are where one person broadcasts messages out to all of the channel members, but they can't necessarily reply. Groups can be public access and they're like a giant group chat for thousands of people. What I was finding was a mixture of channels and groups. Some would be channels used by an individual fraudster to broadcast out, you know, what they've got to sell this week, while others would be groups like the one I was in, where lots of people would post what they were up to that week. And just explain, because I think a lot of people listening to this, you know, I I certainly am slightly baffled by it. You end up with a marketplace where people have too many cards to be able to use them themselves. I mean, what makes them sell these details on? Is it that it's safer for them or...? There are a lot of different stages or parts to committing fraud, right? If you have ever received a text saying, this is Royal Mail, we need you to pay a £5 delivery fee, Mm. or, I don't know, this is the NHS, pay here for your COVID vaccine, and you think that's a scam text, I'm not going to fall for that. Well, every time someone does fall for that, the fraudster harvests their details. But let's say you're a fraudster and you've sent out 6,000 of those text messages and 150 reply. Do you then use all 150 people's credit card details? Because the next stage of the fraud, which is using the details you found, that's more elaborate and that's more complicated. That's Uh. the point at which you might call them up and pretend to be from their bank and say, you know, we've noticed suspicious activity. We need you to transfer all your money to this account. Wow. All those other scams that we sometimes see warned about from places like Witch or financial institutions, push payment scams. That's the sort of second level. Push payment scams are where a fraudster convinces you to authorise a transaction. Maybe you go into your online banking or your banking app and you follow their instructions to transfer your money and authorise the payment to a specific account. The bank won't necessarily spot it as suspicious as quickly because generally you'll have clicked through one of those little recorded, are you sure you're happy with this transaction messages? So if you are what they call a spammer, someone who sends out these text messages, you might have 150 people's credit card details now. You'll normally have what they call their fools, right? Back to that slang again, which means you'll have their mobile phone number, their full address, their date of birth their credit card details, so the standard details you put in to make a payment online. Sometimes you'll get a bit more, even online banking passwords or PIN numbers sometimes get included in fulls as well. So all of this is suddenly on offer. You've stumbled into this little network where this is all being openly discussed. Tell me about that. We decided that I would set up a fresh phone number, a fresh Telegram account using a pseudonym, and I would join undercover. I'm going to pull up, actually, I'm just going to pull up the channel in front of me so I've got it. I can kind of give you some examples. 
This means you get to see my absolutely horrible Telegram account because uh, I only use yeah, Telegram. You've got a really to, active one. That's impressive. I only use it to monitor nasty things. <laughs> so it's a list of all the anti-vaxxers, all be, the pro-Russian groups. Mine used to be uh, all ISIS and terror. And then it sort of went through a period of being sort of ru uh, Russian propaganda. Mm. But I get a lot of these sort of um, uh, make however much money in very little time ads popping up mm. all the time. And they always sound really dodgy. Yeah, those are definitely dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of the largest groups I'm in. It's got 1,090 members. It even tells you how many fraudsters are online right now, 39. Wow. Um, and you can just scroll through and see instructions. And if we go up, here's one of these BIN lists I was talking about. This tells you who the, who the banks are, how many of those cards they have. So Royal Bank of Scotland, beginning with these six digits, we have two of those cards times two. Wow, God, and they've got every bank listed there. HSBC, too. Uh, Barclays, too. Oh, my God, they've even got a Coops & Co card. <laughs> Is that worth more? This particular fraudster doesn't seem to advertise his prices, so I don't know, but I have seen those listed as quite high value. Wow. Here's, that's um, that's the, the Royal Bank. Oh, there you go. There's someone's price list. Thirty for what? Thirty pounds for one set of fools. One hundred for five. You get a you get a discount if you buy multiple. And from each of those cards, people could be expected to make. It depends on the victim. If you're buying a bank card for thirty pounds, how much do you have to steal from that person to make your money back? Yeah, you have to buy two meals, two nice restaurant meals maybe. And here's an idea of how many cards some of these guys get a week. Um, and this person says they have. For some of the BINs they have listed, they have 52, 53, 43 cards wow. at a time. They're selling hundreds a day. Huge numbers. You get an idea of what a business it must be for, for them to keep track of what they have to sell as well. You know, it's, it's much more organised than perhaps we give them credit for, which is yet more, more help for understanding why it has such a low solve rate. These yeah. guys are very well organised. And how would they be getting sort of such bulk numbers? How would you get 52 from any one bank and then 43 from another? Um, these are going to be from spam, mass spam text send outs. I'm just going to click through to this because this is someone advertising a, a channel that I've not actually come across before. Oh, here we go. Here's an example. Um, this message reads, these VICs, short for victims, don't stand a chance. And he's put a screenshot of two text messages he's sent out. They're labelled as if they've come from the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority. Oh, they God, say, so these, sh these should be text messages from the people fixing the problem. Yeah, it's spoofed. It's spoofed. And, and it says it's an authentication code message. That's what he's been asked to send out. I mean, he's right. Who would stand a chance? Yeah. God, that's, it's so brazen. So brazen. When you enter this world, do you have to pretend to be one of them? Do you have to pretend to know what, to know what you're doing? Initially, it was like reading a foreign language, you know, they, these combination of slang and hacking terms that I just didn't know. So the first thing I tried to do was just familiarise myself with the language they were using. Mm. And some of the key members, right, the people who post every day saying, I've got, I don't know, 40 fresh Santander accounts for sale, things like wow. that. Do you want to give us a little glossary? Yes. So these fraudsters use a baffling array of slang. And this is not all of it, but some of the terms that come up a lot include fools, as we've already come across. Carding, which is using stolen card details to buy products or withdraw cash. 
deads spelt with a Z. Um, this is the same as fools, except the credit card has been cancelled by the banks. Deads are useful to fraudsters because they give you a lead on victims who might fall for things again. You know, oh. you've fallen for a spam text once, they sell your deads, they think this person's useful. Uh, leads, also spelt the same way, is similar to deads. It's lists of contact details for possible victims. You want to send a spam text out to 8,000 people, you need 8,000 mobile phone numbers to send it to. And then spoofing is impersonating a bank or another trusted organisation, a water company, an energy provider, in order to get a victim to trust them and put their details in. So Santander might have a website, but if you had s-antander.nz or something... That's probably not them for real. That might be a spoof page, which someone has set up in the hope that you'll fall for it. Yeah. And then the other really important one, which comes up a lot in the groups, is BIN or BINs. This is short for bank identification number. Your bank identification number, and all of our bank cards have one, is the first six digits of the card number. And it gives both banks and consumers a bit of an idea of what kind of account they are looking at. So the first six digits can often be used to identify whether this is a credit or a debit card. If it's a credit card, what tier is it? You know, is this a platinum gold card or something like that? So when you're all suddenly in this world, there's all this jargon flying around. Firstly, what did you make of it? And how did you introduce yourself when you'd stop sort of just watching, when you actually become a part of this forum? The first thing I thought was just, this is absolutely outrageous. How has this not been shut down already? The first group I joined have been active since January 2021. And I thought, you know, this is more than two years of people using this group as a way of selling personal data. Quite openly. Quite openly. What we decided to do was to try and find out more about a particular service the fraudsters were offering, and that is tutorials. If they are sending out spam text messages and they may be collecting anything up to 600 cards a week, I saw in some cases, they need someone to buy them. And in order to buy them, they need a customer who knows how to use them. Mm. So what we started to see was some of these fraudsters would offer tutorials in the next steps of fraud in exchange for a fee, mostly. And it kind of ensures them a steady supply of customers. Yeah. So we decided to ask more about those tutorials. So tell me about that. I generally started by looking for people who specifically advertise tutorials and sending them a really simple message, something along the lines of, hey, do you teach? And then just seeing where the conversation went from there. So I was talking to a guy who offered lessons and I'd asked him about them and I said, how hard is it to learn? And he replied, not hard, one week lessons. I said, is it risky? Do people get caught when they start? And he said, ha nah, bro, if people get caught, then I would be in prison. He was very, very keen to brag, this guy. So I asked a few more things and I said, how do you teach them? And he said, I would add you to my group and teach you everything you need to know about it. At this point, he clearly thought I was quite an interested customer. So I asked him, and can people make good money off this, like enough to live? To which he said, sure, I'm making about five to 8,000. I said, a year or a month. And he said, lol, a week. <laughs> It's a different scale. It's a lot of money. And actually, it's not that surprising. When I was looking at the background for this, we saw one estimate that fraud costs the UK public £7 a year. Wow. So it is plausible that people are making a lot of money off this. The other thing a lot of them were keen to impress was that it's actually quite easy. I'd asked one guy if he offered lessons and he said, yeah, you're trying to learn. And I said, I don't know if I'm smart enough for this. 
To which he said, bro, you don't really need to be smart. Just need to use the tools. It ain't rocket science. A lot of them were really keen to brag to me. You know, they're the best Mm. teacher. They get the best fools. All of their fools are high balance, which is a total lie. There's no way you can know how much money is on on a bank card. But they would try and make these claims. I played up the ignorant newbie a lot. That was really how we got the information out of them. You know, sorry, never done this before. Oh my God, sorry. I just needed them to believe that I was a genuine customer looking to learn and also ignorant enough to have a lot of questions. Coming up, Emma is given a guide on how to commit fraud and... How are so many fraudsters getting away with it? That's in just a moment. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Fraud is now the most common crime in Britain. So when our undercover reporter, Emma Yeomans, found an online forum trading victims' identities and offering to train people who wanted to commit fraud with them, she jumped right in, asking for tips on how it was done. Some of them offered me things they called their fraud Bibles. We got hold of a a chunk of one of these to get a sense of what is taught in it. Sort of a bluffer's guide to fraud. Yeah, a dummy's guide. Tell us about that. (laughs) How how does that read? Possibly the funniest thing about this was how clean and professional it was. It did read like, I don't know, an A-level revision guide from a guy calling himself Moneybag666. (laughs) So it began with online carding, buying things online. In this tutorial, I'm going to break up carding into a few different chapters. Make sure you are ready to pay attention and take mental notes. Table of contents. Make sure you read the important parts, if not all. I mean, this really is the open university version of how to do fraud. Yeah, yeah. It It is a proper tutorial. We weren't sure initially how many of these guys would just be bluffing. You know, if they say, I'll teach you carding for 100 quid, 
how many of them were going to take the hundred quid and then block me on Telegram. Mm. But actually, while we didn't need to pay for things, even just talking to them, actually, they were giving us genuine tips. I mean, I don't want to ask too much about the genuine tips because I don't want anyone <laughs> listening to to go away and become a fraudster. But in the guide, it also it goes into a bit more depth around what you were talking about earlier, about the different types of cards that you can get. Yeah. So they explain it thus. You may have heard of the common term BIN, which stands for bank identification number. You can use websites to do research on BINs and the bank issuing the card. So they give you this basic information. So this, the BINs, this is the, the first six numbers. Yeah. They will tell you what kind of a card it is. That's what the fraudsters were really keen to teach on. They give you all the credit limits for different types of visa cards. So visa signature, visa platinum, visa secured and so on. Because if you know what type of card you're getting, you can tailor your purchases or your type of fraud to it. Right. Would someone who has the lowest level of credit limit or you know a poor credit history be buying £6,000 designer clothes? Possibly not. Mm. The idea is that you try and make these fraudulent purchases as plausible as possible. And with these different cards, you know, given that they might have different credit values, do they have different values to the people buying them online? They do. We did see a big range of prices, but the standard going rate for a set of fools at the moment seems to be around £25. However, sometimes they would say, this card may be particularly good accounts, £40. There's one actually here which has all the way up to £200 for the top levels of cards he was selling. The other thing I did find, which unfortunately this particular fraudster blocked me before we could get it that far, but it did feel at times like I was being recruited. I'll train you in exchange for you join my team. Words like that. And it felt as though he was hoping that firstly I would become a regular customer for his fools but secondly I would help him out I would share some of the profits even we don't know how far that would have gone but he would talk about teams and groups as if he had people he worked with regularly the other part of that was being shown the kind of value they were getting off these you know being sent pictures of these are the designer trainers I bought yesterday things like that give us a sense of that how much did they claim they were able to make from this form of fraud one guy claimed to make £6,000 a week. A and week? I, a week. I did do the maths at the rate he was selling his cards for. If you added in maybe a couple of other fraud schemes within that, it's plausible. But we've also got to remember that these are professional liars with an agenda. You know, they're uh-huh. talking to me to make me become a customer and they lie for their money every day. So I took all of those claims with a very hefty pinch of salt. How did your interactions with these fraudsters end? Well, we didn't know what other forms of crime they might be mixed up in. You know, we knew at least one of them was London-based because he told me that. And we didn't want to be in a situation where they suspected me, they knew I was a reporter, I was going to make myself a target. So I tried to fade it out, really. I basically just ghosted them over the course of a few days, just slowly stopping replying, which feels like an appropriately online way to end an online crime interaction. How very modern. Yeah, it is a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So, Emma, we've got a a story of fraud that is happening, you know, as far as we know, across the country on a huge scale. As you said, it's costing, potentially costing us £7 billion a year. And yet, as far as we can tell, these people aren't really being caught. And even when victims like the man we're calling James go to the police, nothing seems to happen. Stepping back a bit, do we know why this is? I mean, 
Paul Morgan Bentley did another investigation for The Times a little while ago, showing what was happening at Action Fraud. Just remind us a bit about that. Yes, so my colleague Paul previously went undercover in person with Action Fraud, which is the leading agency to tackle fraud. If you call the police, this part of the police that deals with fraud, actually it's been outsourced to a third-party company and they run this call centre in Gurukh. And there are complaints from, from former employees online who talk about how it's run by very young people, how the call centre is manned by school leavers with no work experience and talking about the different ways that victims are being failed because of how the call centre is run. So that's why I've... I've gone for the job. I got the job, um, and so I start training today. And what he found was action fraud staff were effectively being told to close cases without them ever being investigated. And it's definitely the case that fraud has an exceptionally low charge rate. Last year, only one in a thousand frauds were solved by police. One in a thousand? The rate is exceptionally low. And there was a big announcement at the start of May from Rishi Sunak with a goal to cut fraud offences by 10% by the next election. He announced a bunch of new plans, including a ban on financial cold calling, the idea being that if you know that your bank will never cold call you about new financial products, you can always assume that anyone doing that is a fraudster. A new national fraud squad with 400 new officers dedicated full-time to tackling fraud. And even spies being drawn from GCHQ, MI5, to help investigate. But it may still not be as easy to tackle as they want it to be. I mean, these are crimes that take place online. Most victims will never even glimpse their fraudster, their attacker in this. It is a hard crime to solve. Given that it's happening online, is there anything in the online harms bill that might help? Yeah, the new online safety bill is going to have a duty of care for platforms to protect their users from fraud. But this hasn't been enacted yet. And one thing that UK finance has called for, which so far the government has not acted on, is any financial redress from platforms. This would be saying that Telegram enabled someone like James to be defrauded. Mm. It caused them both distress and financial loss. Telegram should be part of paying restitution to them. Telegram is a particularly difficult platform to police, I've heard, partly because it is so resistant to all censorship. It's, you know, it's the last refuge for groups like anti-vaxxers. That said, there have been cases of extremist groups, for example, being chucked off Telegram. So it's definitely within their capability to do so. This is happening in plain sight. There are always questions with messaging apps around encryption, but this isn't about encryption. This is being done in public parts of the app. If I can search fools, then so can they. And for listeners, you know, hearing this, is there anything we can do to protect ourselves from this happening to us? Telegram enables fraudsters to share tools and to sell things on, but we are individually the best line of defence against being defrauded. Being really careful about what links we click, what messages we open, where we put our payment details in. These really simple sort of cyber hygiene tips, they will help. And then there are other things you can do, you know, if you receive a call that you think's from your bank, there are ways of checking it. Another victim we spoke to for this piece did exactly the right thing and she didn't lose any money in the end. We found her details because they'd been released, but she got a suspicious call from her bank saying, we need you to move your money to this account she thought, it's odd that my bank are calling me. I didn't think banks called me about this. Mm. So she hung up the phone and called back her bank on the number that they provided. And they said, no, we haven't been trying to contact you. She did exactly the right thing. I suppose there are some people 
who will say, with fraud like this, because the bank will usually compensate you for anything that has been spent by fraudsters, in a way, perhaps this is a victimless crime. Having done this investigation, what do you make of that? It definitely doesn't feel victimless when you are a victim. Mm. You know, if you are, like James, being threatened by people who know your address or seeing money come out of your account, even if you get that money back, it's still frightening. And to know that someone has intimate information about your life is really intrusive. The psychological impact is really real. So it's good that people get refunded and that they don't suffer more than they have to, but that doesn't make it victimless at all. When Emma approached Telegram to find out why these forums were allowed to exist, they assured her that they actively moderate harmful content and said, our moderators proactively monitor public parts of the app, as well as accepting user reports in order to remove content that breaches our terms of service. And they said the groups that Emma had flagged to them had now been removed. When she approached the Home Office to find out why so little is done to stop fraud, she was told that they're committed to cracking down on online fraud. And they told her, our fraud strategy sets out how we'll block scams at source, bring offenders to justice, and shut down fraudulent infrastructure. We're investing £100 million to create a national fraud squad and deploying the UK intelligence community to relentlessly pursue criminals wherever they are in the world. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Times News reporter, Emma Yeomans. The man we're calling James spoke to our colleague, Matilda Davies. The producer today was James Shield. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. <laughs>